0: So, I got a new printer, and I tested it when I got it like two weeks ago, and sure enough, it wouldn't print tonight. And I'm like, Lord, I know you'll get me through this printer deal. So, I sent it to a tablet, which I've never used before. So, I've got, you know, it wouldn't even, uh, I wouldn't even, the email wouldn't even go through, so I had to take a picture of the screen with the tablet. But, like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, Lord, if I didn't go through this without even look these these, you know, there's some notes in there, but he put a pretty cool thing on my heart, and um, originally I wanted to, I'm like, Lord, Steve asked me 10 days ago, he's like, John, you want to do Wednesday night? I'm like, love to, thank you. I'm like, man, you know, we've been doing in uh, Narrow Road Riders, so the bike club, we've been doing Matthew 7, 8, 9, and the miracles, and, and it's really interesting when you break it down piece by piece, and that's what I had in mind And so the title of the message tonight is Matthew, um, the Narrow Gate. And uh, it's so funny, I just can see the Lord saying, okay, John, you're going to think you're doing Matthew 7 and and those things, but you know what? We're going to go through the genealogy in the beginning of Matthew, and we're going to jump into Genesis and do some work in Genesis. And uh, completely off, if we even make it to Matthew 7, it'll be, you know, something else. But... uh, so this message isn't for me, it's uh, from the Lord, because it's not what I had in mind for you guys. So, um, with that said, go ahead and open your Bibles to uh, Genesis 1. And while you're going there, I'm going to read my little disclaimer. I'm going to uh, steal some of Moses' writing here. Um, and uh, so... And it's my disclaimer to you guys, because I am not a pastor. I'm a tire guy. I love the Lord, and he can use anybody. And so my disclaimer is Matthew 4.10. And it says, then Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in time past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. But the Lord said to him, Who has made the human mouth, or who makes anyone unable to speak or deaf, or able to see or blind. Is it not I, the Lord? Now then go, and I myself will be with your mouth, and instruct you in what you are to say. Yes, it always strikes me, because you know what? It should strike all of you. We're all made. He made you how you are. You know, we can't all be these, you know, not to elevate Joel Osteen, but we can't all be these, you know, twinkly eye, you know, smooth talking, you know, guys, and that's just not how God made everybody. Um, Pastor Joe is, is anointed. I mean, just has radical teachings, and the Lord's given it to him for years. But you know what? We've got to get up and do what he wants us to do when he wants us to do it, whether we like it or not. And let me tell you, getting up here isn't easy. Um, it's been a real, first time coming up here, my knees were literally shaking. It announcements. This is announcements. Hey, we have this going on next week, and that's going on next week. And, you know, it's bad. And um, because, you know, it's just, it's, a, it's something that, um, that can be difficult, but you know what? The Lord wants you to do it. Just do it. Just do it. So anyhow, my disclaimer is over. Praise the Lord. Here we go. So now the reason I bring you to Genesis 1 is because I, since we we're going to start in Matthew 1.1, 1, 1, the very beginning of the New Testament, I wanted, you know, it just caught my attention that, hey, we need to maybe start back up a little bit and start with Genesis 1.1. 1, 1. And the reason... Genesis 1-1 is because those first five words are so powerful, so powerful. In the beginning, God created. Now, I'd like each and every one of you to pull out a pen and sign right there. Just sign your name in agreement. I'm, I'm agreeing to the terms and conditions going forward. I agree. Okay, just put your name, go ahead and sign your name right there at Genesis 1-1. Because if you don't wholeheartedly believe that there was a beginning, that there is a God, and he is the creator of everything, then you need to start right there. There's your, there's, your, there's your Bible study. Seriously, you can, I don't want you to stop right now because we're going to talk about how God has made scripture very clearly how he has used man to put letters on pages with no error, no, no mistakes. So very important going forward from here that we believe in those things. And if God can create everything that we can see, hear, understand, all this, why can't he make a perfect Bible? Seriously? Like he can't? He wrote the Ten Commandments with his own finger, right? Why couldn't he use man to create the Bible? Um, So to that point, I want to move on to a little um, piece here. With uh, with Peter, it's Peter and Jesus, and um, sorry, take me a second to scroll around here on my little tablet. Um, there's a time when Jesus gives a hard teaching, and some some guys are falling away. Um, but so so it's a hard teaching, and. Um, Jesus starts asking his disciples some questions. He's asked them in Matthew 16, verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist and others, Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. He said to them, but who do you yourselves say that I am? And here's where it gets really cool. Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Makes perfect sense to us, right? That's like no you know, revelation, really. We know that as Christians. Looking back on something that happened 2,000 years ago with a whole Bible to complement that whole concept. But at the time, it was revolutionary. Those disciples uh, did not, those apostles did not, when we say they don't, uh, couldn't appreciate the fullness of what was happening, is the understatement of a lifetime. Being with Jesus and all these things happening, you couldn't get your head around even a fraction of what was going on. So when he says something like this, which is so obvious to us, Jesus says to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Peter came up with an answer, not of his own. Praise the Lord. That's how we want to be. We want to come with answers and thoughts and ideas and all these things that are of the Lord, not our own understanding. Our understanding, mm-mm. His understanding, mm-hmm. Um, so with that said, to back up more scripture, um, I want to do the um, so who said it first game, all right? We're going to play the who said it first game. And we've got three choices. We have the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and we have John the Baptist, all right? So, if you want to turn in your Bibles um, to Matthew 3.10, you will read, and the axe is already laid at the root of the trees. You know what? I did it backwards. Go to it's, uh, I'm gonna do the other way around. Matthew um, seven nineteen. Matthew seven nineteen. It says, "Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire." Who said that? Jesus, Jesus said that. Here you go. Jesus said that. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Now let's go back to Matthew 3.10. Sorry to bounce you around, but it's important we do it in that order, I guess. It says, And the axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is being cut down and thrown into the fire. Who said that? John the Baptist. Who said it first? John the Baptist said it first. Where did John the Baptist get it? It He's revealed to him by the Lord, just like Peter. Good for you, Peter. You didn't reveal that on your, God revealed that to you. Good for you, John the Baptist. The Lord revealed that to you, and it was confirmed by Jesus. What John the Baptist said exactly was confirmed by Jesus, by him saying the exact same thing. God Almighty repeated what John the Baptist said, because John the Baptist got it from the Holy Spirit. That's just one little taste of how Scripture is appointed by the Lord. By, not by man. It's not just these guys throwing stuff together, but it is truly inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so that's why it is so important that we believe every word in it. Um, we can't pick and choose, you guys. We can't pick and choose. You know what a mess it is? If you try and pick and choose scripture, so for example, let's take a look at John 6. I try to stay in Matthew on all this, but this is just too sweet. John 6 just nails this. 6, uh, verse 52. So this is why it's so important that we have to wholeheartedly believe in scripture 100%. Because things are going to come up. You're going to be like, no, man, you know um, when Jesus returns, those, those two men dressed in white said he will return, um, from the clouds just as he went up. Well, what if I don't want to believe that? You know, I don't believe he's going to come back that way, or it just doesn't sound right. or something weird about that, or a number of other things. There's so many things you can try to pick and choose out of. Um, and then there's gonna be some hard teachings, like what we're about to read right now in John 6, verse 52. Hard teachings that you might be like, man, I just, you know, I just don't believe it. I just don't, it just doesn't fit what I'm doing. So 52 says, then the Jews began to argue with one another saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink the one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and i in him just as the living father sent me i live because the father i live because of the father the one who eats me he also lives will live because of me this is the bread that came down out of heaven not as the father's ate and died the one who eats this bread will live forever. Speaking of the man of heaven. Verse 59, these things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. So verse 60, so then many of his disciples, now here's this close guy. So this is a broadcast. He's broadcasted all that to all these people in the temple. Now his core guys are with him. And when these core disciples... When these disciples they heard this, the statement is very unpleasant. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, aware that his disciples were complaining about this, said to them, Is this offensive to you? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is a spirit who gives life, the flesh provides no benefit. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were, who did not believe, and who it was who would betray him. Hard teaching, just dismiss it. If you don't want to believe the whole word of God, you just dismiss that stuff. Why did Jesus do that? Put all that that this all this um this these pictures of uh, manna, even though he put it into like a more. Um, difficult understanding. He was, he was really blinding the Pharisees. He wasn't letting them truly know what he was talking about. It was kind of a parable. Um, but why was he doing that? Was it just to create frustration and to get guys to just quit? No. It was to make you want to dig in. When you come across something that doesn't, you can't just easily digest, it's because the Lord wants you to sit there and meditate on it, study on it, understand it, learn about it, know him more intimately, but not to dismiss it and say, you know, I just don't believe it. I just don't believe that part. I'm just going to move to the next, you know, verse and go to some more stuff that I do believe. Picking and choosing. Can't be done. And it's a little, you know, it's just, I don't want to say irritating, but when I hear, you know, believers saying that, you know, I I don't believe all the Bible. I just can't do it. And I'm like, seriously? So how how do you cut this up and, and divide it the way you want it? How do you make this thing fit into your life? Um, so that's kind of the basis of, of what we're talking about tonight. And that is um, a huge deal, you guys. It's the whole Word of God. And if you don't like it, study it. Read about it. The Lord will show you. Ask him, Lord, why don't I understand this? What is, what, why does it seem so weird to me? Why don't I want to appreciate what you said here? Um, why is it so difficult for me to understand this? He wants to reveal it to you. He wants to. He wants you to know his whole Word. He really does. So please. Don't just walk away frustrated or dismissing stuff out of the Bible. Um, Okay, so uh, let's see here. So we have the basis of Scripture. We have um, these things going on. Sorry, guys, this tablet. Okay, so let's go ahead and go to... um, to Matthew 1.1. We'll go ahead and start in there. And um, instead of reading all the genealogy, which is how Matthew starts, we will simply skip to verse uh, 17. So Matthew uh, 1.17. And in Matthew 17, we get a snapshot of a snapshot. We're going to do a snapshot of a snapshot. Um, So we have an example. The Lord is showing us order now. This is what I I really appreciate about this piece of genealogy. Um, The Lord has from Abraham to David, 14 generations. Okay, why? He just did. He's orderly. And then from David to the exile, we have 14 generations. Why? God just did. And then we have from the exile to Egypt, um, we have uh, to Christ. So from the exile to Christ, is 14 generations. Why the Lord did that? Don't know. Adds up to 42. There's a, a handful of things that are involved with the number 42. 42 Weeks of Daniel. I'm going to read some of them right now. But there's 42 generations. And it's just why God is orderly like that, I don't know. Um, I've heard some discussion, but I haven't read anything that really uh, resonates to me that I would want to share. But the meaning of the the number 42, um, you have, uh, Then the angel gave me a measuring rod, like a staff, saying, Arise and measure the temple of God and the altar, and they shall trample upon the holy city for 42 months. That's Revelations 11, 1 through two, 1 and 2. Um, Revelations 13 states that the end time beast will be so powerful that no one will be able to make war with him. He will speak boastful things and receive authority to do, most, to do almost anything he wants for 42 months. Revelations thirteen four through 5. The tribe of Levi was given a total number of 48 cities as part of their inheritance in the land of milk and honey. Six of these cities were to be designated as special cities of refuge. Numbers 6 and 7, leaving 42 other cities. Um, King Azahiah of Judah began his reign at 42 years old, but was only on the throne one year. The children of Israel had 42 wanderings in the desert until they finally were given rest. Numbers 33, 1 a group of young men began to make fun of the prophet Elisha after his friend and mention Elijah was taken away from him in a fiery chariot. They shouted, get out of here, you bald guy, to Elijah as he passed by them. Elijah did not waste any time letting the young men know that what they were doing was unacceptable to God. He turned, stared at them, and cursed them in God's name. After verbally correcting the men, two large female bears came out of the woods and tore to pieces 42 of them. 2 Kings 2.24. Most of the original apostles leave Jerusalem in 42 AD. They depart in order to fill their calling and preaching to the lost sheep of Israel's ten tribes scattered in the world. Matthew 10.5. In the same year, the prophet Agabus predicts a coming three-year famine that will take place during Emperor Claudius' reign. God's a God of order. I said, why he just 14 generations, why he sets that up? And this is the very first, very beginning of Matthew, which is the very beginning of the New Testament. So we have some history going on here. We have... um, We have the genealogy, and then we go right into the birth of Christ. And at first you're like, "I'm the geneal- when I first started reading this, I'm like, genealogy, can we just skip to Christ? And the Lord started showing me all that stuff in, in the genealogy. Genealogy always seems so boring, but there's so much, you know, it's just the Lord always has something in there. If you look, you will find. Um, okay, so in that genealogy, you have got the birth of Israel, right, which is Abraham. It talks about Abraham to David was 14 generations. So we have got Abraham, which is the birth of Israel, the birth of God's chosen people, right, huge. Then we have King David, the conqueror, the gnarly, mighty King David. He made a name for God. Armies were afraid of David, not because of David. David was no Samson. I mean, I mean, David was no Goliath. Um, David was a guy who went in the power of the Lord. Um, you know, like scripture that says, David, just go, don't even count your armies. I mean, how awesome is that? Just go and don't even worry about who you take with you. Just the guys who go with you and you're going to go win. Um, it wasn't David. It was the power of the Lord. And so the Lord made a mighty name for himself through David. And the world was afraid of God, Yahweh, the God of Israel. Interestingly enough, 14 years later, we have the exile to Egypt. Now, exile is kind of a, sounds kind of bad, but another name for exiled, uh, let's see here, give me a second. (laughs) The carrying away into Babylon. Babylon the Israelites were carried away into Babylon. They were utterly ruined. They went from having the gnarliest king of all time to being carried away, utterly defeated. And why is this? Well, they got divorced from God. They turned again and again and again. They played the whore. Turning from God, doing their own thing, seeking other gods, worshiping other gods, false idols, on and on and on. The Old Testament is like, The longest repeat. God forgives them. First they repent. God forgives them. Uh, They go on a little while. They end up serving idols again. And God punishes them. And then that cycle just repeats over and over and over. Finally they get divorced. And now after the divorce comes, the new covenant is coming. We have got 14 years from that exile to the Christ. We have Jesus, the New Testament. God with us. Emmanuel. Um, So let's see here. It says that even after um, Jesus said that in Matthew 11, verse 12, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been treated violently, and violent men take it by force, for all the prophets and all the law prophesied until John. So all that stuff went on, all the Old Testament went on, and then it stopped when John came. Preparing the way for the Lord. So we have, um, it's time to take all the stops. God did his plan, he created prophecy, he did what he w- wanted to do in the Old Testament. And it was his perfect plan. And his perfect plan set the, set the stage for Christ, for the Messiah to come and show us the way as a man. And we can read that in Hebrews 2, 14. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, so that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. And free those who, through fear of death, were subject to slavery all their lives. For clearly he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brothers, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he had suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. That's you and me. How else could we have that? All that was overcome through Christ. All that was there in the Old Testament. You know, Bowman's been, Joe Bowman's been doing that, pushing that, uh, you know, read through uh, the whole Testament in 10 days. Anybody doing that? So what it does, it gives you a pretty nice, you know, just a good look over everything. Instead of digging in tight, which is great. We're told to meditate on the word. But um, to oversee the whole thing is interesting. The stuff that you pick up. Um, just FYI, if you ever want to see Matthew, I don't know if any of you have done this before, but there is called, there's a a movie called Matthew, and you can see it on, it's on YouTube, and it's on Amazon Prime. I uh, I don't know if you buy it on Amazon or not, but it's free on YouTube, and it's Matthew. So it's like three and a half hours, and it's a word for word movie of the book of Matthew. Um, So if you wanna watch the very first book of the Bible, um, it's pretty cool. To do like what Bowman was saying, that timeline of just following, you know, seeing it all go from one end to the other, um, you know, all the scripture and getting the big picture, Mm, it's pretty neat Um, and entertaining. Um, So we have got, um, we have got, to move in a little further here so now we have the birth of Christ and I kind of wanted to just move over some of these topics um, and get to Matthew 7 which is where I wanted to go so this is all a preamble that the Lord gave me um, regarding getting into Matthew 7 Um, let's see let's see we'll make it a little longer just a few more minutes you guys um, so let's go ahead and go to um, Matthew 7, verse 14. Actually, it's 13. And this is a, our narrow road riders. This is what we started. And is um, where we get our name. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in buy it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it. So the Lord talks about Christians that are on the narrow path that are on the going through the narrow gate. What does he do immediately after that after he says hey once you find that narrow gate what's the very next thing he says? Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. Isn't that happening a lot lately? just crazy, Um, the stuff that's going on, the stuff that is trying to knock you off your game, the um, stories that are out there, the false religions that are out there, the watered down Christianity that's out there, that's trying to get you off of your game, off your seeking the Lord wholeheartedly, and really being fervent for him. So many versions of Christianity out there today that um, it's scary. So you guys um, stay in the word, finish reading Matthew, like Bowman's challenged everybody to read all of Matthew in 10, or the whole New Testament actually in 10 days. It's quite a challenge. Um, if you wanna watch it on video, go for it, but, um, but stay in the word and don't, let, don't get knocked off your game. So with that, we're going to go and close. If you would bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we um, thank you for your word, Father. We just pray that um, we would absolutely know that it is your word. That it's not a man's writing. It hasn't been messed up in translations. It isn't faulty. It's, um, Lord, it, we know it's timeless. And I pray if anybody's doubting that it's not timeless, that it's not truly your word, that they would really seek your face, Father. And that they would um, come to the reality that this is your word. whole everything in it. Every word, every letter. Father, be with us in these crazy times, Lord. Um, Things have really gotten just so crazy. Things are going out there. Good is being called evil and evil is being called good. The amount of homosexual commercials and programs, movies, um, the evil that's going on, Lord. It's just, the times are getting darker, Lord, as you know. But Lord, please prepare our hearts. Help us to dig into your word. Help us to truly live on your word, Father. That we'd have food to eat that people don't know about as you did, Jesus. Your word, that your word would be the food that keeps us alive. Watch over us, protect us, and Go before us, Lord. Use us for your glory. In your precious name, Jesus. Amen.